You're listening to the Huddle Up Podcast with Chad Jensen and Zach Kelberman. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com and sound off. And now it's time to drop some knowledge. Hey, hey, hey. Welcome in, everybody, to a live simulcast episode of the Huddle Up podcast as we sift through the aftermath of the Week 9 collapse of Lucas Oil Stadium. I'm your host, Chad Jensen, and with me, as always, my partner in crime. You know, you love him as the lead NFL writer for Heavy.com. He is Zach Kelberman. Zach, right before we went live, I told you it feels like it's been freaking a couple of weeks since we talked, and it was just right after the game yesterday. A lot has transpired already in Broncos country, a lot to dissect today. There is, and I, I I told you before the broadcast, I feel like I'm catching a cold right now, and the Broncos are literally making me sick. But uh, the medicine for to me is Joe Flacco being benched, and I feel a lot better about that. So I'm I'm really excited to dive in and talk about why the Broncos are gearing up for the future now. And uh, this was more of a front than I think they're letting on. Yeah, there's we'll go through the series of events here, but there is a shift taking place at Dove Valley, and let me just welcome in. Those of us, uh, those who have joined us live here in the room on YouTube and Facebook, Buona Beast, Costa, CA Sports, Stuart, what's up, Bill? Oh, Stuart, oh, uh, Stuart, Bill, we got Kristen, we got Steve, oh, Stephen coming in with a $50 Steven donation. Clutch. Appreciate you, Stephen. Appreciate that, dog. Um, Big Daddy Kane, Kristen, what's, what's going up, on, you guys? Um, all right, Jacob, Donald, Anthony, all right. We got a lot to get to today, so let's just get a couple of quick matters of business out of the way. I want to remind you guys, follow the show on Twitter. Super easy. Open up the app, find at HuddleUpPod, click the follow button, and from there on out, you are plugged in with your finger on the pulse of what's happening with this show in real time. We originally planned to come to you, for example, an hour ago, but a delay on my part led to coming to you at 7 Mountain Time. And if you're following on Twitter, you're well aware of that. So take care of that business. And then don't forget to get your creative review in on the Huddle Up podcast on Apple Podcasts. It's a great way to support the show. And it also enters you into the drawing. We're going to give away some swag here. And we'll announce that probably first and next week. Who won for the month of October? This is the Overtime Podcast Network. While sports can bring us so much joy, it can also bring us a lot of unwanted stress. And that stress can make it difficult to concentrate, relax, and get decent sleep. Sunday Scaries was launched in 2017 by two best friends and business partners, Bo Schmidt and Mike Sill. They operated a full-service bar with 50 employees and were always exhausted. They tried all kinds of products, but they didn't work. Then they started experimenting with CBD. They loved the effects and regained control of their days and nights, but they wanted better CBD products. So what they did for themselves was specially formulate CBD gummies with vitamins D3 and B12 that were super consumable, easy to take on the go, and effective. Long story short, their specially formulated CBD products and vitamins helped relieve the overwhelming angst they felt on a daily basis. So in July 2017, they named the company Sunday Scaries and began sharing their products with friends and launched their online store at sundayscaries.com. With tens of thousands of customers, monthly subscribers, and a 100% money-back guarantee, Sunday Scaries has always been on a mission to transform a worrisome nation into a chill one. And right now, we have a bonus for you. 
Get 25% off all products at sundayscaries.com when you use the code OVERTIME. Again, 25% off all products at sundayscaries.com when you use the code OVERTIME. Hey guys, Greg Peterson here with the Baseball Betting Podcast. As we know, the MLB season is back in our lives. It's going to be a 60-game sprint unlike anything that we've ever seen before. And I'm going to be giving you picks every single day, seven days a week with Major League Baseball. We're also going to be keeping up with the KBO as well. If you like baseball and you like being able to make some money, subscribe to the Baseball Betting Podcast with Greg Peterson on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, Zach. So let's get to the biggest piece of news, obviously, today, and that is that Joe Flacco woke up this morning feeling some pain in his neck, still held over from this issue that's been bothering him for a couple weeks. Yeah. Big Fangio, 30 minutes before he hits the podium, gets the results of an MRI on uh, Joe Flacco's neck. Turns out he's got a herniated disc in his neck, and he's for sure going to miss this week. Vic Fangio did uh, use the talk about IR, said it's an option. They haven't decided that yet. He's for sure going to miss this week, and then they'll re-examine on the other side of the bye, which is following this Sunday's game. Brandon Allen's going to start. We just got word from Mike Kliss just about an hour ago that the expectation is Brett Rippon will be promoted from the practice squad this week to back up Brandon Allen against the Cleveland Browns at home in Denver. Where does that leave the, the situation with Drew Locke in your mind? I, it, he's still on the back burner, and the Broncos still don't feel comfortable throwing him out there, not even having him practice. They want more of a, a sure thing in Brett Rippon, and we all knew he was a little further along Rippon than Locke, and he had a little more pro-style familiarity in the scheme. But um, it, it says to me they're not willing to commit totally, not turn the page. And I think this is, for Joe Flacco, this is more of a of a face kind of move, saving face for him. They're ripping the bandit off slowly. They're not going to replace him with the hot shot Drew Locke. They're going to go to the Brandon Allen types and the Brett Rippon types and then ease the bandaid off and go to Locke down the road. I just don't know what they really have to wait on. I get that for basically the last half of the season, the first half, I should say, of the season, all that Drew Locke's really been able to do is sit in on meetings and practice through virtual reality. So in that sense, I can understand why on such a quick drop of the dime, the team had planned to slow drip, maybe even keep Drew Locke on ice for this season. If they would have won that game in Indy, he's probably on ice. And maybe J- uh, Joe Flacco's neck isn't bothering him as bad, and that MRI is not as bad this morning. I don't know. I don't want to put on too much of a tinfoil hat. But long story short, the Flacco injury completely reshapes how the Broncos have to prioritize what happens now in this second half of the season. I am of the opinion that, look – you don't want to throw him out there this week, even as a backup, because, you know, if Brandon Allen goes out there and doesn't matter if it's two snaps in or, you know, two quarters into the game, something happens. Drew Locke has not played football since, what was it, the second week of August that he got hurt? So, yeah. you know, you, you, you got to give him not only this week to practice, you got to give him the whole entire bye. But between now and coming out of the bye, week 11, on the road, going to Minnesota, everything becomes getting Drew Locke ready. Rich Scangarello needs to pair off specific blocks of time each and every day to start structuring and designing this offense around Drew Locke, and you unveil him week 11. Meanwhile, week 9, it's a matter of battening down the hatches, 
Right. Getting by as best you can with Brandon Allen. Hope it doesn't completely careen off the tracks. <laughs> yeah, hold the fort in the most literal sense for Brandon Allen. I think that's why I, that, I agree with you, Chad. I think that's the course of action they'll take. And you're right. I mean, the game is as much mental as anything else, and they have to protect his confidence so that I wouldn't throw him out there right away with no practice time. It's just I'd want him to get the majority of the second half of the season, not put him in, let's say, week 14, week 15. It's not enough audition time. But if they want to go that route a little slower, uh, I can see that happening for sure. Stuart supporting the show him thank you Stuart, Stuart. and and Stephen and Christy single-handedly keeping the huddle up podcast afloat the real MVPs out there Keep, keeping the mortgage paid at mile high <laughs> huddle uh central appreciate you guys let's jump here to JL Avengers at mile high salute not a question but more of a comment good to see that Brandon Allen is the starter ripping is the backup they need to be steady and also patient I like it a lot salute from Costa Rica for what it's worth I don't know what it was two Three, uh, I think it was coming out of the, <clears throat> yeah, it was coming out of the Chiefs game. So week seven debacle, Broncos six points, blown out at home, half the game without Patrick Mahomes. I wrote that don't wait, now's the time, get start getting Drew Lock ready. A B bench Joe Flacco and put in Brandon Allen. I'm completely content and okay with the Denver Broncos having to get by, even if it's just for a week, as kind of a band aid over a bullet hole situation, because honestly. Joe Flacco has been so bad. Now, I'm not again. We're not talking about throwing five picks a game here, Zach. That kind of a bad, but just completely impotent. Okay, just completely lackluster. Yeah. He's a bottom five, yeah. and that's being, you know, that's being generous. Quarterback in this league today. Okay, through the first half of the season, he's a bottom five quarterback in almost every way possible, and he's led this team out to a two and six start. So you got to ask yourself, how much worse? Can it really get? How much worse can Brandon Allen be? Now, maybe I should not tempt the fate of the football gods here by asking that question. But <laughs> at the same time, I really don't think, just using my my football mind here, I really don't think it can get a whole heck of a lot worse, Zach, than what we've seen from Joe Flacco through the first eight weeks. So this is also an opportunity, what's exciting, for Brandon Allen to showcase what he can do. This These are literally going to be his first NFL snaps in a regular season game. I was going to say, if Flacco threw five picks a game, I'd almost prefer that than this neuter type offense. It would mean that he's taking chances and taking risks and throwing the ball down the field. He talked about being an aggressive yesterday, and I'm not going to go on a tangent here, but a lot of that stemmed from him. So I agree with you. How much worse can it really be? I mean, how much worse can, can it be than not having a quarterback back there that's literally a statue that can't move, can't run, can't throw, is scared, uh, is shot, I think, mentally and emotionally? Uh, Allen could give this team a little charge. And like you said, Chad, just to get by, pass the by into the second half of the season and kind of make that transition to Drew Locke. I am, I'm all for that. And we're going to talk more about Drew Locke here. But just while we're on the topic, and by the way, Big Daddy Kane coming Thank in you. with a $10 donation Thank on you. Super Chat. Appreciate you, brother. Um here's what's interesting and here's what's exciting about the prospect of Brandon Allen now entering the equation is, you know, he might not have the biggest arm and he doesn't, but he was a relatively polished passer, even with his nine inch hands at Arkansas. Mm -hmm. And he's heck of a lot more, at least at this age and at this stage in his career of an athlete, Zach, than Joe Flacco is currently at 34 years old and limping to the finish line. Now probably headed to IR. It's probably, Yesterday's game in, at Lucas Oil Stadium was probably the last time you're going to see Joe Flacco suited up in the orange and blue. But I digress. Back to Brandon Allen. I'm just excited to see a guy back there who, you know, he might not be the leader. Obviously, he's been a backup the whole the whole year. He's not going to come in and start being cock of the walk. However, I I do expect to see a little bit more of a an urgency. I mean, this is a guy that now has his opportunity right in front of him. 
expect to see him try and capitalize on that. Expect to see a little bit of a spark from him. Now, I don't expect it to, to completely change the game for this team. All right. It, it, we got to temper our expectations. Obviously, we're talking about Brandon Allen making his first career start, but some movement in the pocket, a guy who can get out, run around, have a little bit more explosion than what we've seen from Joe Flacco so far. I mean, I think you or I back there is a better athlete than Joe Flacco. So, I mean, it literally in a lot of scenarios can't get worse. And uh, if anything, it'll be a run-oriented game plan against Cleveland at home. It's, it's a comfortable game for him. Um, and where he has to make throws, he'll make the throws. But I, I know one thing. I don't think fans could hate Allen any worse in this game than they would have hated Joe Flacco starting this game. Jay says, hey, guys, Fangio said Drew Locke could be activated and used as a backup if he practices well. However... I thought people on IR have to practice for three weeks before they have been activated. Now, you got to keep in mind, Jay and everybody else, that these new designation to return rules are still pretty new. And so those of us who cover the NFL beat, you know, unless you're in a situation, you don't that where it's it's it matters and it affects your team, you don't really have to know these type of facts about originally we thought he had to practice for two weeks before he could be activated. I, I have since come to learn that's not true. He could he could be activated today. He can be put back on the roster, and he could suit up this week as the backup. But it doesn't sound like the Broncos are thinking that way. They still – I mean, they have been the epitome of careful with Drew Locke up to this point so far. They re- they've kept him on bubble wrap. They want to – you know, they don't want to – they don't want to jump the shark and ruin what they believe is going to be a great pick and a great player for them just because, you know, we talked about the post-traumatic stress syndrome, Zach, coming out of the Paxton Lynch bust. Yeah. That, is, that has absolutely governed many of the decisions that we perceive on the outside looking in as being irrational. On the inside looking out, you chalk it up to what's happened, you know, the, the emotional trauma of putting, putting themselves out there and drafting packs and lynching it and burned in such a quick turnaround. It just was such a bust. Drew Locke, though, they've really dragged their feet. So I would rather, look, take this week, even though you can activate him, Activate him for practice. You need to get started on that. And yeah, that was even sure. a question that Vic Fangio, and granted it was only 30 minutes after he got the results on, on Joe Flacco's neck. You could tell he was a little, uh, you know, he's a little stunned, you know, a little bit rattled, I think is a fair word to use today at the podium. But he would not commit to whether or not they would even activate him for practice this week. Hopefully between then and now and by the time we get to Tuesday, they've come to their senses on that and they realize, look, he's not going to pr- play this week. We're not going to put him on the roster this week, but Zach, time is of the essence. He hasn't thrown the football in terms of in a practice setting since August. Let's get him out on the field and practice at the very least. Yeah, I'm with you for sure. And my interpretation of the rule was he doesn't necessarily have to practice to be activated. It's just kind of a thing that uh, you would normally do. It's a traditional uh, scenario coming off the injured list. But I'm with you. He has to get around the field. He has to get around his teammates. He has to form some sort of chemistry and and shake off the rust. I mean, football shape is a real thing, and he has to get back into it. Uh, The bye coming up, though, Week 10, that's a perfect transition scenario for him. They're going to give this week to Brandon Allen, and I think go from there. Week 11, like you mentioned, could be the perfect landing spot, but I think if they want to be ultra conservative, not subject him to a tough defense, they'll wait another more week, another week after that. Dylan Smith coming in off the top rope with a wow. $50 donation Thank on you. Super Chat. Thank you for all the hard work you guys you. put in. Appreciate you, brother. Appreciate that, you. that goes so far for us. Um, and you know what? That's going to buy some T-shirts. That's going to buy some merch that we're going to be able to turn around and get out to you guys, especially our Super Chat donators. But let's uh, let's talk about something that – you know, given a day to kind of soak on things, because when we come to you with the gut reaction immediately following a game, I mean, we might cover this team, but 
we're human beings. We're going to be riding high with emotions. We're going to be a little bit up and down. We try and be as steady as we can and give you as objective and even analysis as as possible. But there's going to be some emotions, especially in a gut reaction, and especially when a team collapses as, as the Broncos did in the final two minutes of that game. Since that game, Okay, since the end, since we came last to our, our listeners and viewers here, um, I uh, listen, the whole Rich Scangarello thing, I still believe, I'm of the opinion at this stage that if you go back and watch a lot of the tape, the Broncos were moving the ball. They need to clean up what's happening on third down, two for 12 on third down once again. So, what is that? Now, eight conversions in their last 50 attempts, dating back four games now. I mean, it's horrendous. How much of that is the trigger, man? And that's what I have to ask myself. Now, that doesn't absolve Rich Scangarello. I'm not saying that he doesn't deserve any criticism for the way that game ended and not trying to push the envelope at the two-minute drill and all that. But I'm willing to put – I think at this stage we have to, in fairness, with how bad the quarterback play has been and how bad the tackle play has been, we have to give him an opportunity to prove that there's there's some there there with the right trigger, man. And maybe – and obviously – there's that's not to say that Brandon Allen's going to be the right trigger man, but I want to see before we completely put the book out on, on rich Scangarello, I want to see what drew lock looks like in his vision of this offense. Yeah. I mean, they hired Scangarello with the idea of developing a young quarterback in mind, but I don't understand why there's such this, this herd mentality to be in one camp or the other, that it's either the play calling or Joe Flacco. That's the problem. Both things are true. Both things are the problem. There's many culprits to this team. Flacco is making Scangarello worse and Scangarello is making Flacco worse. It's not a good marriage. The play calling was pretty much atrocious yesterday, but Flacco has been pretty bad the entire season. Both things can be true at the same time, but you can't dump a first-year coordinator who you're high on, who you entrust to develop your potential face of the franchise in in, in favor of a 34-year-old guy who is at the end of his career. So they have to stick with Scangarello just to see what he has, like you said, Chad, to see if it's – what's the common link here? Is it Flacco? Is it Scangarello? Playing Drew Locke and seeing him in the scheme, I think will answer that question. And I hope that they don't just take Drew Locke and plug him into the exact same – uh, scheme that we've seen with Joe Flacco. I hope they tweak it to not so much um, under center work. I mean, work realistically around the reality that Drew Locke is still less than a year removed from the combine, at which point from that till he got drafted, he's just, it was a crash course of working on his footwork, working from under center. So it's not that you abandon under center work because it is pivotal to the type of scheme the Broncos ultimately want to run, especially as it applies to their rushing attack. However, you need to recognize that, look, if you want your quarterback to hit the ground running, he was a spread quarterback in college. And even though he's been working on his dropbacks, he's been working on reading the defense from under center and all that, you need to roll with the punches a little bit here, Zach, and recognize that, you know, you put him in more shotgun looks, give him some read options, you know, get him out on the move where he can use his athleticism and, and, you know, throwing the football at different arm angles. And you want Drew Locke, the athlete, as much as you want Drew Locke, the quarterback at this stage, I would think. That's a very good point. And it's true. And it's a fireable offense to me. I'm not saying it's going to happen, but that's a fireable offense is to play Drew Locke like Joe Flacco. They are two different quarterbacks completely. And just the basis of Locke breathing back there in that pocket, standing with his two legs, it's an upgrade on Flacco in so many ways, mobility, pocket uh, movement, the plays that you can call. I'm firmly with you. I believe when Locke gets in there, this offense will click a little more with Scangarello. I just hope it's, it's not too late. I hope they have some time to jive together to see them click on on all cylinders or close to it. 
How do you think JL Avenger wants to know the play calling can be more optimal for Allen rather than for Flacco? Um, you know, I, w- I just want to see a quarterback that comes out and not so much plays with reckless abandon, you know, just chucking it around the yard and being, um, you know, being reckless with the football, but a guy who's got something to prove, something to play for, a guy mm-hmm. that's going to push the ball a little bit more and take maybe more chances on third down because one of the reasons the Broncos have struggled so badly in the red zone and on third down is that Joe Flacco plays conservative. You know, he threw his o- offensive coordinator under the bus saying we're playing not to lose uh, yesterday after the game. However, he very much plays quarterback not to lose in cr- critical and crucial situations, third down the red zone. I mean, you think of that 17-play drive yesterday against the Colts when they threw, they finally get to a first and goal from the three, and they're throwing it three times in a row. Two of them were completely out of the end zone. Yeah. Flacco didn't even give him a chance, anyone a chance to uh, complete a pass. And then that third one was to Noah Fand, and even it was he couldn't even haul it in. It was too high and, and too far back in the end zone for him to get his feet inbounds. I want to see an offense. I want to see a quarterback, okay, that is willing to take a chance on third down. Sometimes you got to try and fit it into tight coverage, yeah. but take the chance, Zach. Yeah, I'm not going to come out here and say that it's all Joe Flacco. Obviously, like I just said, the play calling has been a problem, and you just referenced the Colts scenario. That was among the worst sequences of play calling you can ever dial up. So he's going to have to call a better game, Scangarello, regardless of who's back there at quarterback. And even this Browns game, I'm not expecting Allen to throw for 500 yards and four touchdowns. It's going to be a very run-heavy game plan, a lot of Royce Freeman, a lot of Phillip Lindsay, and then you'll sprinkle Allen in there. The only upgrade you can do play calling-wise is a little more boot action, uh, uses athleticism more, and, and throw on the run. It's things that Flacco can't do because he can't move. I think that's the difference you'll see in a, a younger, uh, more athletic quarterback. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. Broncos country, your team might be sitting at 2-6 and six right now, but there is so much football left to be played. And next Sunday, the Broncos are back home in Denver to take on the Cleveland Browns. Make sure you have your seat ready for the game with Vivid Seats. Vivid Seats is the top source for tickets for the events you want to go to. You can sort by price or look for seats in the section and row of your choice, all in the Vivid Seats app. To make things even better, Vivid Seats now has a loyalty program that allows fans to earn credit back. Vivid Seats rewards. Go to the App Store or Google Play and download the Vivid Seats app. Fans are automatically enrolled in the Vivid Seats rewards loyalty program. Every purchase is backed by a 100% buyer guarantee. From the biggest concerts and games to the hottest theater shows and more, Vivid Seats has it all. Download the app and join the Vivid Seats Rewards loyalty program today. And when it's time to buy, new users, make sure you enter the promo code OVERTIME at checkout to receive a discount of up to $100. The Broncos might be sitting at 2-6, and six, but there's still half of a season of football left to be played. That's a lot of games left on the horizon, you guys. There's also hockey going, you got basketball, a little bit of baseball left, and more. Because October is the only month of the year where all four major sports are going on at the same time. So what better to get into the game than by heading over to MyBookie.ag? And that just scratches the surface. We have teamed up with MyBookie this October to give you this great offer. Sign up at MyBookie.ag and use promo code OVERTIME and they will match your first deposit. Again, promo code OVERTIME and new users get their first deposit doubled. MyBookie.ag. You play, you win, you get paid. Stu, with a $4 donation on Super Chat, we got to shout you out. Appreciate you, bro. Um, Well, let's see here. We got people still asking. Chris here is wondering, is Locke even practicing? We addressed this a few minutes ago, but here's the bottom line. 
they have not yet as of noon and neither through any of their team mouthpieces in the media committed to even activating Drew Locke in practice this week because I don't know why. I'm not going to try and rationalize why they haven't just said, yeah, we're going to get him out there because he's completely 100% healthy, Drew Locke. There's no issue with that throwing thumb of his, okay? But hopefully tomorrow, Zach, we get a different tune from Vic Fangio when he when he takes to the podium um, and we find out that, yeah, he's going to practice, but don't expect to see him suited up this week against the Browns at home, but we're going to get him ready in the bye and coming out of the bye, even though, as we talked about with – with Jacob's question yesterday, you know, it's it's not ideal to debut Drew Locke against on the road against a defense that Mike Zimmer deploys there in, in Minnesota. But the NFL is not about waiting till you get the Miami Dolphins on the schedule. You don't play the Miami Dolphins 16 weeks. Uh, so you, you got to rip the Band-Aid off. And you just got to expect, Zach, that he's going to bump his head. He's going to get beat up a little bit. He's going to take his lumps. But you also hope that he learns from that and adjust and you know take some steps forward that it's okay to take a step back it's okay to you know to to suffer somewhat under trial by fire but you also want to see him then take a couple of steps forward I mean he already took a step back in the preseason though he had a horrible week one and then we saw improvement in week two before his injury so it shows that he has the mental makeup to bounce back from criticism to bounce back from mistakes and he's gonna have hiccups he's gonna have a lot of hiccups he's gonna make bad plays he's gonna have interceptions and turnovers you gotta roll with it and you you actually appreciate the bad because it'll make him a better player mistakes are good practice for future scenarios for him and a quarterback like Drew Locke a gunslinger he learns best by doing not by sitting on the bench and watching someone else he learns best by being out there, making those mistakes, picking himself back up, and uh, moving on to the next play. And you know what? Again, I have to remind listeners because we're picking up new listeners and new viewers each and every episode. John Elway, before he became a front office GM and he was John Elway, the Hall of Fame quarterback, he was on record of saying a young quarterback, the only way to, to get out there and, and develop is to play. And yeah. part of playing and part of developing and by the way, Vic Fangio echoed that a week and a half ago in terms of the only way players develop is to play. The only way he's going to turn that corner and take steps forward is by being, is by being exposed to the NFL game and the virtual reality and even practice settings and preseason. And, you know, that's only going to that's only the tip of the iceberg. This is where, you know, that we're in the season. This is where he needs to get that experience. Now, Jacob queries here. How realistic is it, Zach, that Joe Flacco has played his last down in Denver? I posed this just a few minutes ago, but let's really tackle this. Do you think this is it? I mean, if he heads to IR, the Broncos might look at the fact that they've got, they added two additional years to his contract on the doorstep of the season, even though each one of those they can get out from under it. They basically can put him on IR, give him an injury settlement, wash their hands and be done. It can be that easy. I think he has played his last down. I put this on Twitter also, and I think it's a valid question. The dead money hit for next year, I think it's about $13 million, but they would save about $10 million. It's not ideal, but it wouldn't preclude them from releasing him. I just don't see, if they make this move now, I'm going to put my tinfoil hat on. I don't see how this neck injury can go from day to day to being potential IR overnight. I mean, this is all a front of some sorts, and uh, they're not being, this is injury is just a cover to, to bench Joe Flacco for the comments that he made. It's not really a conspiracy. I think it's more the truth. Manuel Sanders did it. He's gone now. Flacco did it. He's benched now. Those are not coincidences. Uh, so it's realistic to think that they can move on, start Brandon Allen, Rippin, Drew Locke, whoever, any young quarterback 
to move on from him. I don't see, even if they all fail, how you can turn back to Flacco in that instance. His confidence was already zero. I mean, what is it now? Negative? And I wrote about that last night. Uh, It was later on in the day, but I made a video and I wrote about it that, you know, John Elway just does not take lightly and kindly to those type of things. And I mean, Emmanuel Sanders, how many times has he probably requested a trade since Super Bowl 50? I mean, with how bad things have gone, finally they oblige him. Well, they oblige him because he had, he had gone public with criticism right. of Rich Gangarello. And the truth is the Rich Gangarello hire was a John Elway decision. And there was a lot of question marks about why are you pairing a first-time NFL play caller with a first-time defensive-minded head coach? If anything, you need to pair him with that Gary Kubiak type of uh, pairing coach-wise where Vic can go about managing the team in the defense and calling plays defensively on game day. And Kubiak can be trusted as an experienced veteran NFL play caller to handle that business. And it's just not something Fangio has to worry about. And yet that wasn't the path Elway took. Elway went out of his way, had to maybe, you know, grease some palms, not literally, but, you know, he had to call in some favors to change some minds in San Francisco to allow Kyle, uh, to convince Kyle Shanahan to allow Rich Scangarello to even interview for the job. Finally, he does. Scangarello is here for the long haul, and there are a lot of reasons why. The philosophy, the West Coast uh, system, that's just bottom line. As long as John Elway's the, the front office guy here, that's the scheme that he believes in because it brought him two world championships at the end of the 90s. Okay. However, what he likes about Scangarello is he's coming off that Kyle Shanahan tree where they're finding ways to marry the newer predominant type of systems yeah. that are working in the NFL on the bones and on the foundation of that system. Zach, Rich Gangarello is a, is a John Elway guy. And what happened is Flacco finally snapped. And again, he said what he said because my opinion, I wrote this last night, so it's on record. He could see, look, it's two and six. Um, the writing's on the wall. There's already been calls and cries for Drew Locke uh, in the media, in the fan base. I can call a spade a spade. I can see which way this thing is going. I'm just going to speak my mind. Joe Flacco has been very considerate and careful with his words at the podium, dating all the way back to before the draft. So when he finally comes out, it's not just a, oh, man, he finally snapped and it was raw. He knew exactly what he was saying, dude. Okay, Joe Flacco is a smart dude. He's a 12th-year NFL veteran. He's been to the top of the mountain. He knows which way the wind blows, okay? And so when he came out and he said that, I do think, I don't know necessarily that it's the whole picture, but I agree with you. I'm inclined to agree with you that it factors into the total equation here of why by noon on Monday, we're hearing Joe Flacco's got a, a bulging disc or whatever it is, the ruptured disc in his neck, um, and he's he's not going to play this week, and he's probably not going to play ever again as a Denver Bronco. Uh, to the point about Scangarello, though, the, the, the Broncos' entire offseason was weird. I mean, we heard rumblings about Mike Shanahan. Then we heard Gary Kubiak as the coordinator, and he backed out, and they went to the younger uh, route with Scangarello to get with an old quarterback and Joe Flacco. Then they traded for Drew Locke. It was just a mismatch of are we a contending team or a uh, rebuilding team. It was an identity crisis, and it, it's, it failed them. And now they're a rebuilding team without the results of being a contending team to show for it. But, yeah, I mean, I'm not going to say that Flacco's not hurt at all. I'm sure his neck at 30. Before, uh, it, it's pretty sore after all this abuse he's taken. I'm just, there's no way it can go from being day to day. And even he shrugged it off yesterday after the game right. to being a, a potential season ender. I, it just doesn't happen like that. It, those comments, a, a thousand percent, were, the, were the, the catalyst to his benching. That's a great point. I mean, I think both of us have been covering this league long enough. And just generally speaking, I don't really believe in coincidences. I yeah. just don't. 
All right. Now, again, that doesn't necessarily mean that's the whole reason speaking out against Gangarello, speaking out against an Elway guy is the whole reason. But we have to consider it and factor it in as part of the equation. Now, Andrew here coming with a $10 donation on Super Chat. Appreciate you, Andrew. Appreciate you. He says, I think there's a lot of blame to go around. Flacco has been awful. Skanks' play calling has been suspect. Elway constantly lets his ego stop him from changing his ways or his decision. Can't can't argue with that, dog. I mean, that's that's brutally true. Um, the question is, though, here's here's what I want to see happen. The the Broncos need to get out in front of this thing and start signaling clearly to the media and the fans that now this is about Drew Locke. We are 100% behind Drew Locke. All of the mixed signals we've been firing through the first half of this season that have got fans wondering if there's something wrong with Drew Locke, like has did Drew Locke take a whiz and John Elway's Cheerios or something? Like, Let's put all that to bed now as a team. Come out, make it public. Look, we're investing in Locke. we got to wait. Till the end of the bye, we got to you know get through week nine, play the Browns. We're going to go into the week 10 bye. But coming out of that bye, it is officially time to close ranks and rally and galvanize around this rookie quarterback and start the clock on the Drew Locke era. And to Andrew's point, it's what I said earlier. There's multiple culprits to this Broncos team, pretty much from the top on down, from Joe Ellis to John Elway to the coaching to the players. It's a it's an organizational failure. There's more than one culprit. It doesn't have to be one or the other. And to your point, Chad, he who makes the news uh, controls the news, and that's what they have to do with Drew Locke here. So I, I'm inclined to agree with both of you. Excuse me. As of right now, Brandon, no. Drew Locke is not playing this week, and uh, I wouldn't expect to see him, as we've been discussing here. You probably caught most of this now till uh, till after the bye. But, you guys, um, before we get out of here, let's touch on tomorrow. Here we are recording this late on Monday evening. Tomorrow at 2 p.m., I believe, is the trade deadline. Do you expect, Zach, to see any movement on the Broncos part. We know they've been getting a few calls over, you know, since the season started, who knows exactly the timing and intensity of when and where exactly, but they've taken calls on Chris Harris. They've taken some calls on Derek Wolf. Now Derek Wolf had himself a game at Indy and even Chris Harris played a good game with one lapse on a broken play late in that two minute drill. The Colts ran. Do you think the Broncos move either one of those guys tomorrow, both in a contract year? I'm going to go against the grain here. I'm going to say they're not going to trade a star player like Harris or Wolf. If there's anyone they're going to trade, it'll be a younger commodity that's cheaper for opposing teams to take on. And I think a, a guy or a run stuffer in that scenario that would interest some teams, especially in the playoffs, is Adam Gotsis. So maybe if there's anyone they would flip. I don't see Chris Harris Jr. getting traded. I don't see Derek Wolf getting traded. I think they'll just carry him for the rest of the year. But Gotsis, that's my bold prediction if they make any move uh, before the deadline tomorrow. Jacob says, do you think there's any truth to Peter King saying that the young core players like Bradley Chubb and Philip Lindsay are pushing back on the vets like some of the Super Bowl 50 guys? Yeah, I absolutely do. I mean, Philip Lindsay is a spark plug, dude. And you know what? When you in the NFL, we've said this before, you don't have to be elite. You don't have to be a pro bowler in order to establish yourself as a credible leader in the locker room. But when you do make yourself a pro bowler and you have leadership traits and you're an outspoken individual, people are, your teammates are going to rally around you. And that's what happened with Philip Lindsay already. Even before this season started, he had established himself as that, you know, the, the leader almost of that next generation rising up and Cortland Sutton, of course, you know, is in that conversation as well, Bradley Chubb. And yeah, I think there's, we've witnessed through this painful two and six process 
there is has been a kind of changing of the guard, Zach, from that yes. Super Bowl 50. Big time. Emmanuel Sanders was the last offensive player holdover from that game, uh, from that world championship. And now it's time for guys like Lindsey, from Chubb when he comes back next year, uh, Cortland Sutton, Noah Fant, you're still a rookie. No one's going to really listen to you. But the guys who do have a little bit of street cred, as it were, as players who have established themselves somewhat over the last couple of years, yeah, I mean – the way that Super Bowl Fifty guys have been trying to do it since Super Bowl Fifty, obviously it's not it's not cutting the mustard, Zach. And, and pushing back in this scenario, it means um, uh, fighting against them, working against them, taking their 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 shine from them. I was going to say we saw that in training camp with Cortland Sutton fighting Emmanuel Sanders. That was to me the changing of the guard there. I believe it was Sutton and Sanders getting into that brawl. Yep. And I, to me, that was the first thing that that started the the signal to me that this is a younger team with a lot of core nucleus pieces that might not contend, but we're going to see the young players step up and take a more uh, active role. We saw it in Philip Lindsay. He went. Uh, off after a busted play earlier this season and we've seen more fire out of the younger players unfortunately chubb isn't in the building right now but they have young talent they have young building blocks and elway it made the right decision at least to kind of shift in that um that that direction the money is going to continue to be wasted on james and callahan because the broncos still don't know really what they have in either one of those guys we haven't seen callahan yet and Jawan James has, has now played a grand total of 32 snaps this year. And, uh, you know, this it's been some bad luck for the Broncos with these two signings. Elway rolled the dice on two injured players, though, to pay. Nice. So, in a sense, he brought this on himself and onto the team himself. But what we heard from Vic Fangio on Monday was that James did re-aggravate that sprained left knee. However, they don't have a timetable yet. They don't have even a status for whether or not he's going to play this week. But he did say that uh, Fangio did that James's injury. They don't think it's as serious as the first one was. So that's good. <laughs> that's that's. I guess that's an upside for your fifty million dollar tackle. Um, luck. I don't know about that. I mean, he Elway has this propensity, Matt Russell, to scout these players that are injured, and that's what you get when you sign injured players. They end up getting injured. They did waste money. They have a couple lemons there. I don't fault them necessarily for targeting those two players, but uh, you win, you play stupid games, win stupid prizes, and that's what the Broncos have done with these 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 signings. Ain't that the truth? Well, guys, hey, thanks for joining us an hour late on this live simulcast on YouTube and Facebook. Appreciate each and every one of you for joining us and hanging out with us live and making this a fun, lively, engaging conversation. We look forward to these each and every week, but that's got to do it for today. And also, obviously, big, huge thanks to all of our donations and donators on Super Chat. You guys are phenomenal. And again, we've got something special that we are cooking up that we'll be announcing here very, very soon for our Super Chat supporters. So appreciate you guys. But that's got to do it for today's episode of the Huddle Up podcast. We will be back in the saddle on uh, Wednesday night. We'll be recording, and maybe, Zach, we can figure out uh, whether or not we're going to make that a live episode. It might end up being a pre-recorded episode that will just be waiting in your preferred podcast listening platform. But we'll see. Either way, we'll be back Wednesday night. And then we'll have the uh, Mile High Mailbag Edition for sure going live Thursday night at 6 Mountain, 8 Eastern. So worst case scenario is we'll be joining you again live on YouTube and Facebook Thursday night at 6 p.m. Mountain Time, 8 p.m. Eastern. So, Zach, we'll see what happens. There could be, I mean, by the time you and I talk again here with our listeners, there might still have been a whole bunch of new information that drops on Broncos country. 
Yeah, we could get some trades. We can get some more benchings. We can get you know the Drew Locke news we're all waiting for. Things are happening in Broncos country behind the scenes. They're laying the plan down. We just have to wait for more pieces of the puzzle to fall into place. All right, guys, make sure you follow the show on Twitter at HuddleUpPod. Don't forget to follow my partner here, Zach Kelberman, on Twitter at KelbermanNFL. Myself at Chad and Jensen. Stay tuned. There will be a fresh episode of Building the Broncos waiting for you guys. That'll come on Wednesday, so stay tuned for that. For Zach Kelberman, I'm Chad Jensen. You guys, thanks again for joining us. We'll talk to you here in a couple of days. You've been listening to the Huddle Up Podcast. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com to keep the conversation going.